0: Hello so friends, my name is Hannah and you are listening to She Reads, They Eat, a podcast for all of my fellow literature lovers or for anyone wondering what they should read next. I cover all kinds of reads from children's book to classic literature to science fiction and fantasy. I read, you listen, and my Patreon community sends 90% of their proceeds to the hungry, thirsty, naked, sick, and needy. The other 10% is used to bring you even better content. Most of my podcast is free to listen to, but for as little as $1 a month, you can join my Patreon community for exclusive content. Thanks so much for listening today and let's dive right into today's Reads. Hello friends, welcome back to another episode of She Reads, They Eat. So I know it's been multiple weeks since I've done a podcast, And I should say there's no excuses for that, but at the same time, I kind of have an excuse. Some of it has just been life, but a bigger part of it for me has been trying to kind of rethink about what I want to do in this podcast, at least for this season. And I've come up with a couple of fun ideas. So today's going to be different than something I've done before. So today I will be doing a... um, spotlight on a specific author. This author is one who I'm currently reading an audiobook. But first, I'm going to start with some fun, a fun little game of sorts. Not even really a game, but more of a spotlight on multiple authors. In that, I'm going to start off today's show by sharing with you birthdays this week. So birthdays of authors, that happen in the first week of June. Um, A spotlight author is one of those. His birthday was in the first week of June, it's June 5th. But I'm going to talk you through all of the authors that I know of at least who had birthdays on the first or seventh day of June, obviously in different years. So here we go. Writers born on the 1st of June. I know of at least four. Colleen McCullough, John Drinkwater, John Macefield, and Pat Schneider. Now, these may not be authors that I have read. They may not be authors that I am particularly backing up or fond of, but these are the writers I have found to have these birthdays. And my goal when I do an author spotlight in general, unless someone requests a specific one on my Patreon page, is to instead have uh, my author spotlight be someone whose birthday week it is. So, writers born on the 2nd of June, Barbara Pym, Carol Shields, David Besmaskis, Dorothy West, and Thomas Hardy. Please let me know in the show notes or on my Patreon page or on my Instagram, She Reads They Eat, if any of these are some of your favorite authors, if any of them have written some of your favorite books, or if you have any particularly poor feelings towards any of these. I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on any of the authors of the week. Author number three, or I'm sorry, writers born on the 3rd of June. Allen Ginsberg, John Norman, Larry McCurtry. Marion Zimmer Bradley, and Sidney Smith. Moving on to the 4th of June, writers born on the 4th of June, Jacques Roumain, Christine Catherine Rouche, Lajos Egri, Robert Fulghum, and Val McDermid. And I will have to apologize if I mispronounce some of these, as I sure I will, and I'm sure already have. Now, there are actually 11 authors I have here who were born on the 5th of June. And you'll have to guess as I'm reading these, which of these will do the spotlight on as a little competition with yourself, if you like, to see if you get it right. So, writers born on the 5th of June. Chuck Klosterman, David Hare, Evan Marshall, Gail Foreman, Joff Dyer, Ivy Compton Burnett, Jennifer McMahon, Ken Follett, Lauren Bukes, Margaret Drabble, or Rick Riordan. Those are the 11 that were born on the 5th of June, and I'll let you guess as I read the last two days on which of those you think I am going to be spotlighting today. Writers born on the 6th of June, Alexander Pushkin, Akweke Amezi, Maxine Kuhman, Mignon McLaughlin, Sarah Dessen, Thomas Mann, and V.C. Andrews. And then writers born on the 7th of June, Elif Batuman, Elizabeth Bowen, Gwendolyn Brooks, Harry Cruz, Jesse Ball, Louis Erdrich, Nikki Giovanni, and Orhan Pamuk. So there you go. Five minutes in and we've just discussed the different authors who have birthdays in the first month of June. So let's dive into our author's Spotlight. So our author spotlight today, kind of biography, kind of a little about him that I decided to do was on Ken Follett. I'm wondering if anyone got that right. But Ken Follett, I am currently been listening, I have been for a couple months, been listening to his, an audiobook version of his book, The Pillars of the Earth. And The Pillars of the Earth has some very intense characters, which is something, if you know, my reading taste is something that I absolutely love. And his story takes place over a long time. It is a really long book, which is honestly why I decided to listen to it on audiobook. Um, Not only because it makes it a little bit easier, but even more so since I'm not as big of an audiobook reader, but I like them occasionally. I like to save up my audiobook credits, especially if I'm, you know, paying 14, 15 bucks a month and I only get one a month. I like to save up those credits for long books and I feel like I'm getting the most out of my credit. So it doesn't always end up that way, but it did with this book, The Pillars of the Earth. And it's a really fascinating book. It takes place in the Middle Ages. It's kind of the story of how a cathedral was built and all the different people who went into that. Um, yeah. And I'm really interested to see where it goes from now on because there was kind of this breaking point where I know the story is going to change. But I won't say more than that because of spoilers. So let's read a little bit of a biography on, or I'll share a little bit of a biography on Ken Follett. This is off of his website, so I feel like maybe this is how he would want to present himself. And then I'm also going to throw in a few of his quotes and thoughts to finish up about him. Then I'll throw in a couple fun tidbits I've decided to add to my show and we'll close up. So stay with me. Thanks so much for listening. And here's a biography on Ken Fullett. Ken Follett is one of the world's most successful authors. we well, have to pause there and say, of course, his website would say that. Over 170 million copies of the 36 books he has written have been sold in over 80 countries and in 33 languages. Born on June 5, 1949 in Cardiff, Wales, the son of a tax inspector, Ken was educated at state colleges and went on to graduate from University College London with an honors degree in philosophy, later to be made a fellow of the college in 1995. He started his career as a reporter, first with his hometown newspaper, the South Wales Echo, and then with the London Evening News. Subsequently, he worked for a small London publishing house, Everest Books, eventually becoming deputy managing director. Ken's first major success came with the publication of Eye of the Needle in 1978. A World War II thriller set in England, this book earned him the 1979 Edgar Award for Best Novel from the Mystery Writers of America. It remains one of Ken's most popular books. And I'll pause here to say that the audio version on FM that I'm listening to of um, his next or on his book published 10 years later was. um, He gave an intro himself in it and you hear him talk about Mm -hmm. how everyone loved him for his more thriller writing. And that's what he was known for. And um, it was interesting writing this, Pillars of the Earth, because it was very different. So in 1989, Ken's epic novel about the building of a medieval cathedral, The Pillars of the Earth, was published. It reached number one in bestseller lists everywhere and was turned into a major television series produced by Ridley Scott, which aired in 2010. World Without End, the sequel to The Pillars of the Earth, proved equally popular when it was published in 2007. Ken's new book, The Evening and the Morning, was published in September 2020. It is a prequel to The Pillars of the Earth and is set around the year 1000 when Kingsbridge was an Anglo-Saxon settlement threatened by Viking invaders. Ooh, I'm going to have to read all of these next. So, Ken has been active in numerous literacy charities and was president of Dyslexia Action for 10 years. He was chair of the National Year of Reading, a joint initiative between government and businesses. He is also active in many Stevenage charities and is president of the Stevenage Community Trust and Patron of Homestart Hertfordshire. who loves music almost as much as he loves books, is an enthusiastic bass guitar player. He lives in Stevenage, Hertfordshire with his wife Barbara, the former Labour Member of Parliament for Stevenage. Between them, they have five children, six grandchildren, and two Labradors. Well, there you go. Oh my goodness and if on his website click on more after that you get a ken Follett's life and career timeline fancy fancy let's see if there's any fun tidbits in here in 1968 he married mary elson and their son emmanuel was born in the same year their daughter marie claire is born in 1973. it was the same year he became a reporter for london evening news. There's lots of other things he published, he published, he published. So there was a lot of books that he published that were more in the thriller category that weren't mentioned in that biography. But that's actually what most people know, a lot of people know him more for and when he was originally famous for. So his publisher wasn't so sure when he wanted to do this historical book. So yeah, lots of fun things on his timeline. It takes you all the way up to 2020 when he published The Evening and The Morning, and you're free to check that out yourself. But for now, I'm going to dive into some of his uh, quotes. So this is one I like, especially in reference to the book I'm currently reading. He said, I like to create imaginary characters and events around a real historical situation. I want readers to feel, okay, this probably didn't happen, but it might have. Which I think is fascinating. On a side note, I was listening to a Stax Pod, an old 2019 Stax. Um, the Stax is the name of this podcast. And she was interviewing this author of a nonfiction book about marriage from a divorce attorney's view, because that's what he does for a living, this author. And she asked him if there was any. Genre he didn't like to read and he said historical fiction. He'd rather just read a historical book. He doesn't understand Combining fiction and history. He likes them separate, but I have to say I prefer Ken Follett's view or I more I should say more resonate because preference in what you read is It's just up to you you don't have bad taste or good taste you just have your taste so but I like and I resonate with what Ken Follett there said with I want readers to feel, okay, this probably didn't happen, but it might have. Now, in his, he had a masterclass on writing, so I wanted to share a little bit of what he said in there. The basic challenge for the writer can be very simply explained. It is to create an imaginary world and then draw the reader into that imaginary world. My aim in constructing sentence... Sorry, to pause to admonish my children. What was he saying? He was saying in his masterclass, My aim in constructing sentences is to make the sentence utterly easy to understand, writing what I call transparent prose. I fail dreadfully if you have to read a sentence twice to figure out what I meant. As an aspiring writer, you should certainly start by writing an outline. I explain how to do this in the masterclass. You solve a lot of problems with an outline. It is far easier to correct your mistakes if you write an outline than if you sat down and wrote chapter one at the top of a piece of paper and started writing. If you work that way, it will take an awfully long time to correct your mistakes. You will spend six months or a year writing the book and only then will you find out the things that you wish you had known right at the start. Writing an outline also concentrates your mind. It's interesting because my father, who's been a journalist, an editor, a communications director, told me... It's very big on outlines. I mean, honestly, I could get a pretty good grade. I was homeschooled. I could get a pretty good grade um, from him if I just had an intro, three to five points, and then a conclusion. And as my dad always liked to say, the intro should say, this is what I'm going to talk about it. Your points talk about it. And then your conclusion is, see, I talked about it. That's pretty much how it works, but yeah, I could get a good grade at least to be on pretty much any essay or written narration or anything like that with my father if I just (laughs) did that. Oh, let's see. Then let me finish with the three things I've decided I would like to add to every show. So to finish off each show, I'd like to do three things. One, I'd like to share a snippet of classic or scripture or just um, anything a little older and read that to you. I'd like to share a funny book review or other funny literary things and finish off with a book that is on my wish list. So sometimes, and I hope sometimes to maybe do um, a author spotlight on a children's author. So in that case, I may also share a wish list book for my children in that same podcast. So let's start with the review. This is one of my favorites. And I apologize if one of my sisters is listening to this because she loves the Divergent series. But I thought this one star customer review of Divergent was both just completely harsh and utterly hilarious. So that's what I intend to share with you today. This was reviewed in the United States, I believe on Amazon, on October 9th, 2013. The name, title of the review is, It's Like the Hunger Games, But More Complicated. So this is what she said. If you like Hunger Games, but thought it needed more rules, you're going to love Divergent. The debut novel from Veronica Roth, Divergent, imagines a future after a great war. The only way to restore peace is to divide humanity up into five death frats named after SAT words. People join them by having only one personality trait. Brave people join Dauntless, where they jump off trains and punch each other. Smart people join Erudite, where they wear glasses. Amish people join Abnegation, where they don't eat hamburgers. And the other two are both Hufflepuff. In the extremely rare situation where somebody has two personality traits, I have glasses and don't eat hamburgers, or I play baseball and football, they are, quote, divergent. A Latin word meaning too cool for school. But wait, you say, how do they figure out which frat to join? I'm glad you asked. Pledge Week in dystopia in Chicago consists of a hallucination where you have to choose between a knife and cheese with no other instructions. Then a dog attacks you. If you choose the knife, you are dauntless. If you choose the cheese, you're not. Isn't that cool? That's all it takes. You either want a knife or you want cheese. And that decision confines you to a single death threat for the rest of your life. That's their nearly foolproof system. Knife or cheese. Maybe I'm not divergent. I'm just lactose intolerant. Eventually, the smart people use the brave people to kill the abnegation people, and only a teenage girl with two different interests can save them all with her boyfriend and something about a hard drive that controls humanity, presumably connecting via USB 27.0. Anyway, it doesn't make much sense, but expect a million more books about dystopian futures where kids kill each other because Hunger Games sold faster than a gray tunic in an abnegation camp. If you've ever read Divergent or watched the films, I think you'll find a laugh out of that. Even if you enjoyed them, I think with a good sense of humor, you could really appreciate that. The next thing I wanted to share with you was um, just a snippet of a classic book I've recently finished um, just at the beginning of this week. To the Lighthouse by uh, Virginia Woolf and It was the first thing I'd read by her, and it was kind of dreamy. And I don't know, the whole book just felt kind of dreamy and soft and gentle, and almost like a poem, almost. I don't even know how to describe it. And I have to admit, sometimes I didn't really know what was going on or if I was supposed to know what was going on because a lot of it, in fact, most of it was just the thoughts of different people. You kind of read these thoughts that these different people are having. Like I said, it's my first one by her, so I don't know if that's normal for her writing, but there were some tidbits in it I really enjoyed. So let me flip real quick here and to the thing I want to share with you and see If I can find it. Here we go. This is what one piece I liked in here. This is kind of the thoughts of um, a woman who's a painter. Can't paint, can't write, she murmured monotonously, anxiously considering what her plan of attack should be. For the mass loomed before her, it protruded. She felt it pressing on her eyeballs. Then, as if some juice necessary for the lubrication of her faculties were spontaneously squirted, she began precariously dipping among the blues and umbers, moving her brush hither and thither. But it was now heavier and went slower, as if it had fallen in with some rhythm which was dictated to her. She kept looking at the hedge at the canvas, "'by what she saw, so that while her hand quivered with life, "'this rhythm was strong enough to bear her along with it on its current.' Certainly, she was losing consciousness of outer things, and as she lost consciousness of outer things and her name and her personality and her appearance and whether Mr. Carmichael was there or not, her mind kept throwing up from its depths scenes and names and sayings and memories and ideas like a fountain spurting over that glaring, hideously difficult white space while she mottled it with greens and blues. And I thought that was kind of a beautiful. Written description of one experience one might have with art. I found that very beautiful. And then I'm gonna to finish today with one of my wish list books, a book that is on my wish list. I want to both read it and probably own it, and I haven't got the chance yet. And there are many of those, but today I picked um she was, I can't believe I forgot the name. Concrete Rose. My bad. I really would like to read Concrete Rose. It's written by Angela Thomas, and she's the same. It is the third book in a series, and I've read the first two. Um, the Hate You Give, which is, of course, based off of the Tupac song, the title it is, and it's spoken about in the book. And then On the Come Up, which are about, those two books are about two different. Uh, teenage girls in um, Jackson, Mississippi, and uh, it's a—it's oh, just a fascinating story. But the third book is supposed to be about the, the father of the character in the first book. So I am really excited to get my hands on *Concrete Rose*. I believe it came out in January. I haven't got a chance to purchase it yet i think it's always out not available at the library so i'm keeping my eyes open i really am but just to drop in here i finally got a hold of two books that were kind of in that same place where i was waiting and waiting and waiting for them to show up at the library because i'd heard really good things i wanted to kind of read them some first before i purchased them but those two are the poppy war and hamnet hamnets by maggie o'farrell and The Poppy War is by R. F. Quang. So I'm really excited to read both of those because I've heard really good reports. The Poppy War looks like a pretty sick book. So, but I've heard such good things. I'm sure it will keep me entertained. That's kind of what's going on in my bookish life. I hope you enjoyed hearing about Ken Fullett. I hope you enjoyed some of those fun snippets at the end. And I hope to be more active in my Patreon community in the coming days and weeks and months. So if you have not checked it out yet, please check out She Reads They Eat. The reason for that name is that 90% of my proceeds from Patreon go to uh, local organizations, although you could always request a specific organization. I'll take it under advisement that takes care of the sick and the hungry. And needy, and those who need clothes, etc. Oftentimes, I donate it straight towards somewhere where they can buy food for like 11 cents a pound. And a little bit of money that you give can get stretched a really long way, allowing a lot of people who may not have had a meal that day to have something to eat for free. So that's where your money goes. The other 10% literally goes right back into this podcast and into the Patreon page. It enables me to have more variety in what I'm sharing and doing with you. So thank you so much for listening. I hope to come back with something fun next week. And I will talk to you then. Goodbye. If you love this episode and would love to hear additional episodes, have access to extra content, and are passionate about caring for the needy as I am, I encourage you to check out my Patreon page. You can find it at www.patreon.com slash reads. There are different levels at which you can help. One dollar a month gives you early access to all my free episodes and could help plant three potato plants to feed the hungry. a month gives you two book lists a month in addition to early access, as well as some additional read-aloud podcasts and could buy a coat or shoes for a homeless person. $10 a month gives you access to all of my episodes, book lists, and more while helping a poor family afford hygiene products or allowing local gardeners to plant three extra rows of plants in their garden to give people in great need. Again, you can find that at www.patreon.com slash shereads. Thanks so much for listening today, and I can't wait to talk to you again next week.